0: You're now listening to sound talent media check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com it was fun but then there was maybe a turning point where it stopped being fun and then you know you could stop using um being on tour as an excuse to y- use and and to be that version of yourself and you kind of bring it home and you go out every night or every weekend, and then every weekend would turn into every other day, and then every other day would turn into every day, and every day would consist of you not partying with somebody all the time. You would come home with like a 40 of Jameson and a bag of Coke, and you would be doing it yourself at home and got pretty major for a bit. And you just like it got really dark, and you know, things happen in the background in life, and you find excuses or, 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 or not even excuses, you find reasons to cope. Or use those substances as a coping mechanism. So uh, I, there was a long time where I tried to, I struggled with. Wanting to be sober.
1: Hey what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Telemedia and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. I hope that you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you the third edition of Vox and Hop's Brutal Montreal. That's right, Brutal Montreal is back. This year's event is happening on April 15th at MTELUS and features performances by Clutch, Amigo the Devil, and Nate Bergman. If you're planning on coming to this event, you should absolutely pick up your tickets very soon because the tickets are simply disappearing. You can head on over to my website, com slash brutal MTL to pick up your tickets. I'm beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Welcome to the third week of Vox and Hops Sober February. I'm super stoked to have Pitch Black North sponsoring Sober February for the second year in a row. They make delicious tea. All of their teas are ethically sourced and only created in small batches. If you would like to pick up some satanic tea, you can do so by going to voxenhops.com slash satanic tea. That's V-O-X-A-N-D H-O-P-S dot com slash satanic tea. The satanic tea lord himself has created a promo code for all you Vox and Hops heads, so when you're checking out, use the promo code VoxHops15, that's V-O-X-H-O-P-S-1-5, and you will save 15% off of your entire purchase. I'm beyond stoked to have Pitch Black North sponsoring Vox and Hops' Sober February. Now, I'm very stoked that on today's Artist Spotlight, I am showcasing a killer band called Funeral Thirst. Funeral Thirst are an independent, old-school death metal act from New Hampshire. Get ready, everyone. Check out their track, Turn to Dust. They will say
2: that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding?
1: That was Funeral Thirst's Turn to Dust. It's the first track off of their self-produced debut EP, Galvanized in Blood, which is out right now and is streaming everywhere. If you like to catch Funeral Thirst playing the EP live in its entirety, they have two gigs coming up, one at Ralph's Rock Diner. They're supporting Sentient Horror. That show is on Saturday, March 25th in Worcester, Mass. And they're also playing Swamped and Gore 2 on Saturday, April 1st at the Birix in East Haven, Connecticut. Massive, massive cheers to Funeral Thirst for being this week's artist spotlight. If you enjoyed Turn to Dust by Funeral Thirst, I have put all of their details in the description of this podcast. Go and check them out. Support what you love, people. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that is just a forward-thinking individual, someone that thinks outside of the box, someone that's just doing things a little bit differently than everyone else, well, you should let them know that the Vox and and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 390 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your forward-thinking friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, I'm very stoked that on today's episode, I am joined by Blake Lewis Prince, the vocalist of Teeth, and I'm even more stoked because for the first time in almost 400 episodes, I have a co-host, that's right, the very first episode with a co-host. Massive cheers, I'm very stoked that Colby Bungay has joined this episode as my co-host. Get ready, everyone, this is Vox and Hops, episode number 395.
2: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very, very stoked to be with Blake Lewis, Prince of Teeth. Uh, This is a special episode because I have a a co-host for the first time ever, I think. I think it's the first time in just about 400 episodes that I have a co-host with me uh, that's going to be asking some questions uh, throughout the conversation. Uh, Someone that actually suggested I have a chat with Blake uh, because... uh, he's awesome his name is colby and uh, he's been doing stuff behind the scenes for the podcast for uh, two years now uh he listens to every episode and i knew that he was so i asked him could you listen to like every episode and just let me know what ad has been placed in because i put ads dynamically into the episodes but i don't actually put them there myself so i have sound talent media that does that for me and i wanted to make sure it was the right ads going in there and colby's the man that does that for me so first off thank you colby um how you doing thank you for being here with me tonight
2: can't complain stoked
0: to be here
1: and uh blake how you doing
0: good thank you for having me i just noticed colby's wrapping a teeth shirt and i'm wondering where did you get that from
2: From your show at the dom uh last year
0: oh in ottawa
2: yeah yeah, yeah. that's oh, right on yeah
0: yeah did did we speak that night everything's kind of hazy did you speak did we did we speak to each other that night uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Okay, now I don't feel like an asshole. Wonderful.
1: <laughs> I have met many a people, and sometimes we forget, and uh, that happens. A lot of faces blur into one another. Uh, the conversations are very memorable, and we appreciate inter- each interaction, but sometimes it tends to get a bit much at moments, so it's understandable that we don't remember everyone. Uh, Let's dig into it. Let's go go straight. This is for Sober February. Uh, We're going to dig into the sobriety aspect a little bit later, but first let's start with a very simple question of how has your 2023 been so far? We started off a new year uh, where things are rolling. Uh, How has it been for you, Blake?
0: Yeah, it's been um, similar to the last five years. I I just recently celebrated five years sobriety on the 23rd. So um, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's been smooth. It's been, everybody's happy and healthy and um, yeah, we're just, we're looking forward to another great year. So yeah, things, no complaints over here.
1: That's amazing to hear. And that's what I like to hear. Um, I would love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardians house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to?
0: Yeah, my parents were pretty rad. Um, there was like, uh, anything from Motley Crue to Ace of Base to Six Feet Under to Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So my, my folks are pretty eclectic and, uh, and they had quite a quite a a selection of music for me to dig through, uh, whether it would be cassettes or CDs that would might, later on make their way into my bedroom. But uh, Aerosmith was huge. I used to love, still do love Aerosmith. Steven Tyler and the, his showmanship as a frontman definitely kind of bled into my uh, performance. I'm pretty sure, uh, maybe less uh, sashes on my mic stand, but yeah, all, all, all that stuff is, is the first that comes to mind.
1: That's amazing. Um, I definitely, definitely enjoyed some Aerosmith. I think when I got my first sound system in my own room, I think I was in grade seven or something. My dad had hooked me up with like old equipment and just sort of made it work. And I was blasting Aerosmith and I had Aerosmith and I had Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had put out that, that, that album with the the statue. I think there was a whole like, publicity thing where he like had the statue going around cities or something i could be wrong
0: oh yeah 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 i recall yeah i think it was the greatest hits
1: i think it was too but i think yeah, I, yes i believe you're right yeah there might have been one track or something scream or something. was that the one with scream with, with uh, Janet jackson yeah I feel like i <laughs> dating myself, is, as usual. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives and music, and typically enjoying craft beer. But it's sober February, so we're not doing that. Uh, what are you guys drinking on your side virtually? Blake, what are you drinking tonight?
0: Uh, well, I just uh, got home from my son's Taekwondo class, so I grabbed a small black coffee from McDonald's, and then I ran to the kitchen there and grabbed myself a, a mason jar full of ice water. Yes, exciting stuff over
2: here
1: <laughs> how about you co-host co-host colby Well, what, so, what are you enjoying on your side
2: jerry monk the metal architect the guy who does vox and hops's playlist for how long has it been now matt has it been
1: i think it's three years, we're, we're, years? We're, we're definitely over two years now
2: so uh the thirsty thursday is the thing we usually do these days Matt started that, uh, 2021, 2020,
1: March of 2020 or April of 2020, right, right at the beginning of the pandemic.
2: So a bunch of us get together and just hang out and chat about whatever once a month, Matt does a live interview with all of us, but, uh, i become great friends with some of the dudes on there. Jerry monks from Dallas, Texas. He came up last October. So a bunch of us got to meet him in uh, person. We sent each other a little care package and he sent me a mango chainsaw liquid death. So I've been saving that for this. I'm going to crack that open.
1: Nice. Very cool.
2: He sent uh, the lime what's it called? Lime something. It's got crazy names, right? And that was friggin' delicious. So let's see how this one is. I
0: haven't tried the uh, the flavored version of those, but uh, they did happen to drop us a, a skid of maybe like 200 fucking cases off at my Chris's old condo last year. But I think we've made our way through each box at this point. So we're or tapped
1: good for you because liquid death are hard to get because i've poked them a bunch of times for things good for sponsor, you for, for sponsor, getting, the, up, yeah, getting the sponsor come on liquid <laughs> death come on uh this um, whole month is actually sponsored by someone and it's not liquid death so so boohoo to liquid death but uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> satanic tea company pitch black north um they make the most satanic tea and it's uh, all ethically sourced it's a small batch uh created in small batches uh, dominic the satanic tea lord himself is is awesome and uh this is the throat of lucifer and it's just albertan peppermint and lavender uh check it out people pitchblacknorth.com you won't be disappointed it's sinfully delicious as uh, colby loves when i say that uh, let's continue into this um uh, more getting to know Blake I'd love to hear about your first shows do you remember the very first show that you went to go see and was it Aerosmith
0: it was Aerosmith well no it was uh, it was it was was blue rodeo at the waterfront festival in Oakville my folks took me it was just a waterfront festival it was a music festival that happened in the summer downtown Oakville so yeah that was my earliest memory and I'm I'm 199 positive that was my first show second show was Aerosmith uh gosh 93 get a grip tours with junk house at uh sky dome and then the one after that would have been green day dookie tour at uh maple leaf gardens wow so pretty pretty solid first three show memories there
1: at that point were you already like into music had you already dug into the the record collection tape collection cd collection that your parents had I
0: think it probably started really coming into fruition around that dookie era. I think. Yeah. Like Aerosmith was always like I think I, I have I have early memories of road trips and like playing drums on my notebooks in the back seat to whatever my parents were listening listening to and then uh and then kind of came out into my own uh started really getting into like Green Day and Offspring and all that stuff was kind of popping off at that time.
1: Your parents were, were pretty open-minded, but what what was their mentality to this new music coming into the house?
0: Yeah, um, I don't recall there being many qualms about it. I think I was gifted Dookie for Christmas, so I don't know if they told me Santa brought that or if they brought that, but either way, it had to have come from them, so I feel like they were pretty supportive from day one about all that. They're pretty progressive folks. Um, so yeah, I I credit them a lot for being able to kind of continue my passion and love for music down the road. So
1: And that nowadays when they when they see everything that you've grown into, are they as still as accepting?
0: Yeah. I think it all kind of took a turn for the worst when I brought home like my first Slipknot C D. But my stepdad <laughs> is who introduced me to Slipknot. My I'm pretty sure my stepdad was pretty ahead of the curve. He was a big showgoer and um He had seen them in Buffalo, like maybe right when that self-titled album dropped. And he was a big, like.
1: That cold chamber tour that we all saw them on.
0: I'm pretty sure that was the show. And um, so he came home one, one day and he was wearing, like, he's a big guy. So, like, maybe four XL shirt with, like, nine masked dudes. Just said slipknot on it. Very, like, you know eerie and like mystique look, at, you know, it was just it was it was something different. I, I had questions. I was like, what's that about? Hard to fathom. There was nine members in a band at that time. So I I almost didn't even think it was a band. I didn't know what it was, but then later on found out it was and uh and there go I bought my first cassette and then started introducing uh folks in grade five to Slipknot.
1: Holy shit. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and I and I don't think anybody had heard anything like that before and then I think I transitioned into my goth uh, phase there with the nail polish and all that stuff so yeah I think when Slipknot kind of came around was where my folks were just like okay maybe I don't like other than my stepdad of course I think my mom was kind of just like okay I don't really quite get this one but uh, you know you like it so I
1: support it. That's awesome here's some headphones go into your room enjoy that. Hey, Colby what, what, what's your first show there?
2: I feel so goddamn young compared to you two now. <laughs> <laughs> The first like <laughs> the first like big show besides like like my parents brought me to see Backstreet Boys when I was a kid. So Green I fantastic. saw that. But uh, it would have been when I was in grade six. I don't remember what year that was now, but uh, early 2000s and uh, yeah, early 2000s. And it was a surprise concert that I was brought to. I remember talking to my dad about it in the summer. I saw Blink-182 was going to Toronto at the Molson Amphitheater. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, Blink-182 rules. I'd go to that. And he was just like, oh, it's too expensive. I'm like, it's in Toronto. So we're not going to go. And uh, the day that show was, completely forgot about it anyways. Pull up to school. And was like, all right, Ethan. We'll see you later. That's my brother. And he's like, Colby, you stay in the car. And I was like, why? He's like, we're going to see your uncle in Toronto. I'm like, okay why isn't ethan coming he's just like because he needs to go to school it's just gonna be you and me and they're like all right so let me go there get to my uncle's house and he was just like what do you want to do and it's just like there's a blue jays game today and then there's a concert at the molson amphitheater and i was just like i don't care whatever you guys want to do it's like <laughs> you sure you don't want to go to the molson amphitheater and i was just like why do you keep asking me this? Like, what is it? I was like, well, at Blink 182 bands playing, like, you like them, right? I'm like, yeah. And it's just like, I'm so shook at that young age. And it's just like, but you just like bring me to whatever I want. Like, I don't know. And then it's like, well, we got your tickets for Blink 182. We're going. And then went to that, and it was pretty fucking epic.
1: I can only imagine so, especially being a surprise. Like, that anticipation, those first shows, like being young and one of my first shows was the slipknot show that cold chamber tour corn uh, i think was another one and like the whole lead up just to actually the first notes being played was was such a special feeling that that looking and expect like like because there was no videos back then there was there was barely any there was no internet basically for myself starting under dial-up so so you had to experience it like that Slipknot show I had only seen pictures of the CD and then actually witnessing them live was was terrifying but in a good way <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about your first time on stage do you remember your first show
0: yeah I mean I I see i, I, I Vaguely, but I, I'm almost certain it was a battle of the bands type situation. Um, high school band with a bunch of buddies, you know, wishing we were Deftones. tones. And, um, yeah, there was a, a promotion company in uh Hamilton called uh Supernova, uh, which later became Ignition. Are you familiar?
1: No, but I, I can imagine where this is going, where there's like a, a chance for you to do something,
0: big flyer. There's a big show happening in Toronto, about like 20 fucking bands on it. And uh, the more people you bring out, um, you could uh, get a record, uh, like a DVD recording of your performance that night on the house. So that's tight. Sell them like $500 worth of tickets and you get like a compact fucking desk. So we like made the most out of it, obviously. But uh, we we, like rented a school bus, party bus, made the most of it. We were rock stars, man. Right? Like we're fucking like we're doing it. Uh, so yeah, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the year, early 2000s for sure. But, uh, yeah, got, got, uh, got the bite and, uh, was craving it ever since. It was just, uh, yeah, nothing else I wanted to do.
1: I love that, that hustle from the beginning, renting the school bus, yeah. packing it full. System of Down just said this sort of the same thing back in the day when they were starting out too on the strip though. So, so that's yeah. fucking awesome. Um, your voice, at what point did you start? experimenting with your voice cleans you can do cleans you can do harsh uh colby had mentioned in his notes um i don't know if you want to take it colby
2: well but there is there's is aspects to it near the anniversary band you only released like mm-hmm. one ep or album with correct yeah 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 so just like mad at the same time because that's where he comes from like he doesn't come from like a harsh vocal background he's a classically trained singer down and I didn't know he did that and I thought it was pretty epic. Yeah.
0: Um I mean dating back to the the early days the thing was just trying to do anything and everything all at once. And then, you know, as you kind of become more familiar with the craft, you try to better yourself and learn how to do it properly instead of, you know, blowing your throat out and doing some damage and whatnot or not sounding horrible or having your voice crack. But um yeah, I, I, I think it kind of just ended up evolving with my music taste, I think, as I kind of developed more of a taste for heavier, uh, aggressive sounding music um, that would kind of um, register for something that I would want to perform as well. So uh, I think uh, eventually, you know, coming from a place of listening to, you know, growing up with Limp Bizkit, Korn, Deftones were huge, uh, for sure. Uh, and then getting into the slip knots and then the opposite of December poison the well, and then discovering that whole metal core, uh, scene. And then there was nothing else that I wanted my vocals to sound like after that. So I remember getting opposite of December for Christmas one year. seems like I get a lot of sick shit on Christmas as far as music and CDs go. Um,
1: go Blake's family. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, and then cranking it up on, uh, on the system at home and just sounding horrible. Cause I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and uh, just wanting to give up obviously. But then, you know, as repetition would have it, you, you end up developing that, those muscles and those skills and you gain control. And, and then, yeah, that was it. That was it. And then I was just a, uh, a lunatic screaming again. Uh, And then, you know, as time goes on and the more familiar with the craft you become, I was in a cover band and discovered that I actually could uh perform quite a range with cleans. So I think all that kind of just it just evolved and grew over time.
1: A cover band. Now 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 you've piqued my interest there. Um what what was that like and, and what, what, what would be like if you had your track? Where where the, the, the audience was like very like, Oh that's good. What 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 song is that? Clean vocals. Oh man. Clean vocals.
0: I don't know. There was like, we were a nineties cover band. Like, uh, so, so we, we used to do, uh, 3am by matchbox 20. Yes. And I fucking loved singing that song. Cause I love that band and yes. I love that song and the crowd like loved us performing it. And we were pretty tight at it. And it's just like one of those weird, like departures from anything else. Uh, especially in that set, you know, we, we would do like, uh, Limp biscuit and Rage against the machine. Smash Mouth, Presidents United States of America, Bush, STP, everything, and then we would just bring it right down and do some 3m by Matchbox 20. So yeah, that was probably my favorite, and I feel like we we did well.
1: I've, it keeps coming up on the podcast recently, but one of the first songs I sang with my first band in high school was "Push." Oh, sick! Yeah, by Matchbox Twenty, <laughs> and I—I I, I haven't edited any of them recently, but I'm sure they're coming up. And I'm gonna look, edit like three episodes in a row, and I'm gonna be like, "Fuck!" I keep talking about Matchbox Twenty.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know. Nostalgia is everything, and uh, you know, there's many late nights where I'm just going down the rabbit hole, and I'll find myself listening to like early I Am Mother Earth, and then remembering oh, they yes. switched singers with Brian yeah. Byrne, and that that album with the robot head on it is fucking amazing too. I love that album. So then listening to that, and then diving into like old Our Lady Peace, and then going to the Matchbox Twenty, and it's just yeah, all that, all those, all those songs, all that music, that era. I'm probably showing my age, but I feel like uh, we were. Fortunate to grow up Hell yes. when all that stuff was coming out and I don't know if there'll ever be like a movement like that again and if there is it'll be something it'll be different 100%
1: yeah well the, the Canadian rock scene is still budge- like blooming and happening I just am not connected to it enough to understand it um, yeah. Yeah. but there's a bunch of bands that come through all the time that um my wife goes to see with our neighbor downstairs that's also in the scene more of the french uh rock scene uh that i mother earth cd i've been working with kids since 2000 early before and my first paycheck i went and bought that cd oh that's awesome yeah summertime in the void it's a fucking jam man it's a great song. oh yeah
0: yeah no it's a fantastic album A great band too actually before we hop off the I Mother Earth train. It's great, uh last uh before the new year hit, I believe, they ended up doing a couple shows. Really? And with yeah, Edwin and or with was,
1: the new with the new singer? Both. Oh, I like that.
0: They they share duties. So yeah, Edwin would go up and do his songs, then Brian went up and did his songs. And I didn't find it until after that it happened, but man, I would have uh, I would have loved to attend.
2: But what can you do? Maybe they'll do it again. I didn't know that either because they played a show here in Ottawa as well, and I was just like, "Huh!" I didn't even know they were still touring or anything like that.
0: Yeah, they're they're pretty active still. When I when I found out they did that show, I they they've been planning for sure. I I uh, checked out the Instagram, and they're uh, they're moving, so maybe we'll catch them. We'll see.
1: I like that very much. I also had an idea to do a Cryptopsy Generation tour where it's Lord Worm, Mike Desalvo, and myself on the tour. We'll have to Hell do it yeah. soon because everyone's getting old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you satisfied now with your, with your harsh vocals? Is it something like you feel like I, I can, I have mastered this or is it still a work in progress?
0: Yeah. Um, w- there was a lot of time off uh, with anniversary. was kind of my departure from uh, when, it, when anniversary ended, I kind of take a, took a step back uh, from music altogether just because of uh, uh, personal reasons. And uh, with that, my voice kind of went in relaxed mode. And then we did the, the, the cover band thing, which was very, it wasn't as, uh, as straining. So, but when we started teeth up again, it took a minute for sure because we weren't very active. We, we wanted to be and then COVID happened. And then, you know, there's only so much we could do. I mean, we were recording certainly and, uh, and, and writing tons, but, um, it, it was a little bit worrisome at first because I was like, shit, like, can Why i still do this yeah. right yeah i'm like i'm kind of I'm winded i just i don't i'm like watching old videos listening to old songs and it's just like the control i had and i'm just like where did that go if anything if anything now i should be better or did i need the crutch of substance to be there i was questioning so but uh, i think again with uh, uh consistency the more we were rehearsing the more shows we were playing and all that it 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 started coming back and yeah uh, i'm very happy with where it's at now um it's 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 a lot of fun so
1: that's awesome that's awesome and it, it is work and it is uh it's like, it's like training you can't bench press x amount of pounds take a year or two off and then get on the bench press and bench that same weight same reps it's not going to work and you're going to be sore the next day so so it's, it's singings it's muscles there's a lot of muscles that go on inside the your throat so so you got to be in shape and you got to work yourself back into shape you can't just jump straight back onto that bench press it's not gonna you're not, you're not gonna feel okay um <laughs> new album there's a new album coming we can't talk too much about it but uh colby has some questions about the material that has been released eyes horns mouth as uh, the the most recent single that you dropped uh colby colby has some questions about this one
2: but uh the latest uh single there you guys dropped eyes horns mouth. uh at the end of the song how you scream when I fucking die, don't bury me. Bring me home. I was curious what the meaning behind that is, or even just like the whole song. To be honest,
0: yeah, that song's um, a bit of a commentary on a personal battle within yourself. I think it's a lot of uh, like struggling and back and forth with, I guess, inner issues, if I can put it vaguely. And I think that being in that mindset is pretty representative of being, you know, in hell almost, like your own personal hell. So I think that ending line was kind of a little bit of a, a send-off to the whole song and, and, the, and the subject matter within it. Um, yeah, it's just and it's just like it led right into just like such a disgusting riff that it just kind of paired itself quite nicely with one another.
2: Wicked. Can't wait to hear it live, man.
1: Nuclear Blast, big release coming up eventually that we can't talk too much about, but we can talk about the feeling and and starting this project up again after taking some time off the pandemic slowing you down and then having a massive label like nuclear blast behind you the feelings that went into that uh the excitement uh the extra pressure uh, to talk to us about everything involving a new bigger label
0: yeah i mean so yeah just uh starting the band it was so out of left field chris and i uh, we've known each other for years. We toured uh, in separate bands alongside each other, sometimes on the same tour, um, and we were both huge fans of like what we both did. Um, so was, I felt like it was only a matter of time before we started working together. And he was kind of he was doing the Hundred Sons thing with uh, Corey from Norma Jean and Ryan from uh, Every Time I Die at the time, but they were kind of slowing down, and Chris was kind of craving something heavier. I was kind of in this, I'm ready to kind of do something else other than this cover band at this point, kind of, you know, want to feel what I thought um, I was missing uh, when I was doing this genre of music beforehand. So yeah, the stars is just aligned. line. We worked on some stuff and uh, it just kind of started really working. Everything was really cohesive and um, we, we, we it was very effortless when him and I got into the studio together. So things were just happening. Um, and then, yeah, I think, uh, as for a project that was supposed to be really just for fun or 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 just like maybe a weekend event, you know, it ended up becoming something that was catching traction. So, you know, we we put out a couple singles. People started really enjoying them and uh we got the attention of new uh sorry, New Damage out of uh Toronto there. Um and they were supportive of what we wanted to do. So we teamed up with them and then things kind of would just snowball from there. Pandemic hits we actually sorry we were supposed to go out with uh, Obey the Brave and uh, Southern Waves um, right before that fucking pandemic hit. So we were like coming out guns blazing, ready to roll. Things were feeling good. Pandemic happens. Everything gets you know, stopped to a screeching halt. Um, So with that, we kind of just uh, had, had new inspiration and we were pissed and confused and you know, bothered like everybody else that was hit with the same situation and we just kind of channeled that and brought that to the studio and we would record a song called Death Race that did fairly well for us and then you know we would just start pumping out singles and then um uh pandemic continued lasting (laughs) for longer (laughs) than we anticipated or as long as longer than we wanted it uh wanted to anticipate uh and then we bunkered down went to our studio out in uh, Fort Erie there and we uh we recorded this record so Uh, With that, we were like, okay, well, what are we doing with this one? Well, we would love to, you know, maybe get some US push because looking at the data from our Spotify plays, we have a lot of love out in the States. So maybe we could do something um, that way. And yeah, so we ended up talking to a couple reps from Nuclear Blast early on. And those conversations would last, I believe. Like three hundred and something days, who's counting? But it was it was a wow. while, a lot of back yeah. and forth. We were supposed to. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen, but it was also like, well, what the fuck are we going to do while everything shut down? So it was just a lot of you know humming and hawing, and then you know there was, it, it was some communication turned to no communication, uh, and then I believe the uh, the label itself had changed um, uh, internally. So um, now um, they have a new manager, new new owner, like the new everything's mm-hmm being um remodeled and uh we ended up rekindling our connection with them and yeah then finally we were ready to go so i think it was maybe a couple weeks before we released eyes horns mouth that we uh were able to announce that we finally signed with them and that we were going to be putting out some records through them and uh just a wonderful team to work with um it's been a it's been a pleasure communicating with their team and we're very excited for the future we definitely feel like we're in good hands and uh they were definitely the proper fit for what we want to do um on creative and everything so
1: i think it's amazing like like a a weekender band something just for fun growing into something just massive is is it's it's inspiring it's cool it's it's and 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 like you tried probably so hard before with the other bands and like it hit plateaus and then when you take a break and then come back now's the time it's weird life is strange it
0: is and it's definitely like something that we we've pitched back and forth to each other in conversation just it's funny how the bands that you just give your all to and you just pour it all in and you work your ass off and you did some stuff but maybe it wasn't because you just set the bar so high when you kind of just lower the bar a little bit and do it for the sake of doing, it, it's like, that's really when it starts to happen or at least it seems to, or seems to, but yeah,
1: there's no secret people. There's, there's like no secret. <laughs> just keep at it, keep at it and do it for the right reasons.
2: <laughs> you said that T started out as kind of just like a, a fun project, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chris was just riffing and, and um,
0: like, yeah, I, I don't think there was any preconceived notion that it was going to turn into anything until, we just we, we reconnected and we, he was just like you want to scream on some shit and I was like sure man and got into my fucking shitty closet in my shitty apartment that I was living at at the time and we pumped out a Destroyer and we're like okay I think I think we can do something with this
2: so I was just I was kind of curious of like where the inspiration came from it at the same time a little bit more because I read some quotes from you like there's a a quote from Chris where he said you started as an outlet place where you could embrace anger, frustration, sometimes dark subject matter because everyone needs to vent. And then you also said not too long ago that is uh, supposed to feel frantic, super visceral and aggressive. Pain is an adhesive. And in time where there's a lot of pent up emotion towards family, friends, everyone around us, give us a nice vehicle for people to air their grievances. I was wondering if you had anything more that you could add to that at all yeah, I I think just, you know, much like a lot of people,
0: uh, we all have our personal things and our, uh, uh, yeah, the things that we need to vent our frustrations on. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of deep rooted shit for me personally. And, uh, Chris has been through some stuff and that's the beautiful thing about music as an outlet as a whole. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like going to the shrink's office. It's, it's just like, uh, it's a, it's a freeing way to alleviate the pressure that, you know, can be on your mental on the day to day, especially now more than ever. There's nothing but, you know, anxiety ridden people out there. And it's just, um, you know, I'm guilty of being one myself. So it's it's a place to be truly honest and write some pretty, you know, uncomfortable subject matter uh, and just get it all out on paper. And, 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 and then to be able to deliver it live is just it's a therapy session. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely our purest form of uh, projecting all that stuff.
1: It is a cathartic experience to to unveil raw emotions. It's so much easier to do it in this art form, being so aggressive. And I guess it's sort of hard to understand what we're saying too. <laughs> unless you're reading reading along
2: I, I i can understand it you know i'm not in a, a band or anything you know but i got creative outlets myself i've always had goals and things i want to do so something that you guys really like doing and music is fucking awesome anyways right and it's like if you can let out whatever pent up frustration or anger happiness sadness whatever is going on for other people to hear maybe help them out at the same time or just yeah, that's, throw that's awesome. It too. it's awesome
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely one of if not the most rewarding thing is when somebody comes up and, and says that you know your words or your performance or your music has helped them through some sort of harsh time it sounds like a cliche um, but you would be remiss for not acknowledging that that is what it's all about so um, yeah that's, that's a big part of why I do it for sure
1: absolutely colby i'll let you take the next one uh something that i think is super cool as i was reading your questions i was like "Oh, i want to hear about this devil's night the gorilla events um colby you throw this question at blake please
2: have you done just two of them or have you done three two yeah we do we did yeah we did two
1: okay can we we need like a description of what it is because because i have a vague understanding of it then from what i understand it's really fucking cool so so what 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 is devil's night how did that start and take us through the whole story
0: dating back to our first single destroyer. That was the first single that we had ever put out as a band. And we did put it out on devil's night. Um, so there was obviously something special about that date, uh, that, you know, was representative of the band and we, you know, as we made it through the pandemic, we were like, okay, I feel like people are, you know, feeling better about going out in public and attending shows, maybe not even so. I mean, we, we probably jumped the gun a little sooner than later, but, um, So we did our, so we were planning around, um, the, the first devil's night show would have been, uh, in 2021. So October of 2021, things were still a little unstable out there, but I think we had just had enough. We were back at this point. We're just like, we've done everything that we could possibly fucking do. Uh, some of us got sick. Some of us did. And we were just, we just came to a point where just like, okay, we gotta, we just live our lives a little bit. Let's try to, let's just try to. And if people come, fantastic. If people don't, at least we can, you know, say we tried. Um, we knew that we wanted our first performance, our first live performance to be something special, not just like another show at the Casbah in Hamilton or uh, you know, just you know, your typical venue. There was just something special around this band. And as we've delivered um everything uh within, it's just we try to be we try to go about it differently than anything else we've done up in you know previous years. So doing a, a super illegal fucking show with a generator at a skate park that's across the street from a cop shop. We're like, why not? Um so I kind of flew under the radar uh and tried to Obtain a permit to see if like maybe we could you know get a little bit of a, a time that we can just perform and not have to worry about the cops shutting it down because we, we're so we sink this on into this we ended up printing out 50 like long sleeve like pumpkin orange shirts with like a picture of the location on it with the phone number we ended up doing like this whole <laughs> crazy marketing campaign because we were rolling out that we were going to play this show but we couldn't like promote it online because we didn't want it to get fucking busted. So we did like really creepy, eerie shit. We bought like a burner phone and we recorded a voicemail <laughs> on it. And then we, we, we plastered like QR codes all downtown Hamilton. If you scan the QR code, it brought you to a website, uh, to this landing page. You find the phone number, you call the phone number and it gives you details that you're going to be, that we're doing something at this fucking location uh, on Devil's Night at this time. So, uh, I went and I tried, we were sinking cash into this thing. Right. We hadn't even done anything as a band yet. So the money's coming out of pocket and we're just like, okay. Uh, but for me, I'm like, okay, let's try to get a permit permit gets dismissed. Didn't get the permit. I'm like, okay, I guess we're just doing this. Um, you know, and, uh, so, you know, here comes devil's night and, um, we show up it's pissing rain out. It's cold. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's freezing. Uh, and, you know, and I felt a little under the weather. I don't know if I had COVID or what was going on. Just definitely didn't feel great. And we're like, hey, how's this going? Uh, set up the generator we got two tents over Matt's drums, just shitty little 10 by 10s. And then we're just kind of exposed to this fucking weather. Uh, And, you know, I'm like, I got to go sit into the van and and just like wait this one out. Cause there's nothing more anxiety inducing than like waiting to play an illegal show where you're seeing people come around the corner and you're just thinking one of them is about to be that cop. that's like shut her down. Um, So I went sat in the van for a minute, did a little bit of warming up. And then when I came out, there was like maybe like 300 people there. So like not, not bad, definitely exceeded our expectations for sure. And then, uh, yeah, we fired up the generator and we just got going and it was just fucking mayhem. There was some dude was blowing fire. There was fucking people shooting fireworks everywhere. People were moshing. It was just like, it was beautiful. And it was just like everything we needed. It was like the big fucking payoff and it was just so special. Uh, like, we got emotional special you know it felt so good to be there in that moment after like two years of uncertainty and not knowing if i was ever going to be able to do this again let alone be surrounded by you know friends or new faces and just performing again and it was just it was fucking magic and uh yeah, so that was that was Devil's Night one.
1: No, no cops came though. You you got to play the whole gig.
0: No cops came, but uh, but uh, we 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 were like, let's just rip five songs and fucking call it. So all that planning, we just did like five songs, got the fuck out of there, and then we went to this place called My Pie, which is like this tiki pizza joint. It had like a little after party with pizzas and fucking diet pop. It was beautiful. Um, so that was that one, and then uh, the second one, we wanted to do it bigger and better. Um, so we did same kind of rollout, same phone number, QR code, did the whole thing. And, uh, we did that. So, but we were competing with Halloween weekend this, this year, last year we were, but it also, it landed on a Saturday. So we're like, okay, we're going to do the show at like 9 PM on a Saturday. People are going to come to the show. They're going to tear it up and then they can go do their Halloween bullshit after this year we did it on a Sunday. So people have been partying fucking Thursday, Friday, Saturday already. So we're like, shit, how's this one going to go? It's going to be a Sunday. Um, but it worked out. It was, uh, well, I'd say double the turnout. Um, we played twice as long as a set. Um, you know, people were just wild fireworks. Uh, where we play in the skate park is kind of, in the alley behind this abandoned building with like smashed out windows. People are fucking firing Roman candles in there. We're just like, if this thing catches fire, we're fucked. Um, <laughs> but it went well. It was fine. No liabilities as of yet. Um, yeah, so we played and then a, a cop did show up, but he he sat on the outskirts and it seemed like he just watched the show. So he didn't bother us. Yeah. And everybody was like responsible, cleaning their shit up and threw it in the garbage. And we
2: fucking we went home that night. I had to take my kid to school the next morning. So that was Devil's night, too. I saw I saw tons of footage from that, whether it was on YouTube or Instagram. Like uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, Ted from Rare Snacks, Toronto, right? dude yeah, ted, yeah i love ted man i just
0: i literally just saw him repost something from you and i was like those two know each other i'm like wow,
2: small world but yeah but uh i remember i told him about the uh devil's night there and he went there and he friggin' live streamed some of the shit and i was watching it and it was freaking awesome man
0: him and i have gotten close uh in recent history he came out to our barry show when we went out with rust there in december so yeah we've uh, and i was talking to him today he's setting up a podcast um yeah, yeah ted, ted ted's a guy from toronto and his uh his, his profession is selling exotic snacks. He goes to the States and buys like all that sugary shit and then brings it to Canada, puts it on his website and then sells it to the masses. He's a legend. But yeah, that's who Ted is.
1: Very cool. Very interesting. Uh, Hamilton is hell. It's the next topic. Talk talk to us about that. What, what's going on with Hamilton is hell?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in like 2015, I was an anniversary and just like, you know, bitter and pissed the, the world. Cause I was like an addict and fucking who, who knows, and just spiteful to everybody. And there was a dude just like getting rich off of these shirts that said, Hamilton is home. And they, they were just like one color on a black t-shirt. He's selling them for 45 bucks a pop and he's selling them all over Hamilton. And I own a nightclub in Hamilton. And, uh, at that point I wasn't the owner. I just bartended there, but he would go there and sell them there. And I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? cranky and drunk probably and um so my band at the time anniversary we were were about to hit we were about to do a couple shows with Attila and Attila came through and the first night was in Hamilton so I'm just like fuck this guy I'm gonna print anniversary shirts that have like the anniversary logo behind uh on the behind the shoulder blades on the back and that's just gonna say Hamilton's how I'm gonna sell them for 15 bucks cheaper because fuck them so we uh, we ended up selling out of those. And then people were just like, yeah, like, fucking Hamilton is hell. And people just kind of turned it into this movement. And between the gentrification and Hamilton kind of being different than what it was, than what people were used to. And, you know, the rent prices are becoming more expensive and everything's getting torn down. Everything looks pretty and new. And some people might argue that Hamilton's lost its, you know, charm of what it used to be. So everybody kind of had this like new meaning of why they wanted to represent Hamilton as house, so it just kind of this this shirt that was supposed to be a piece of band merch that ended up selling out like two times over kind of just took on a life of its own and then people started wrapping that so uh once the shirts had all sold out in like twenty seventeen, I kind of just put it to bed and Chris and I recently kind of got to talking like that that was kind of a, it was he he thought it was a pretty cool idea and it would be neat to um you know, maybe have a conversation about bringing it back and maybe incorporating it with teeth because it's kind of, it kind of works because teeth very fuck you and, you know, aggressive and, you know, visceral and all that. And, uh, you know, Hamilton held connected to it could make some sense. Maybe we do something kind of like streetwear looking and, you know, maybe put some neat little tags on them and make them kind of like a thing. So yeah, we've kind of been going back and forth on that idea. And I think we're going to be doing like a relaunch of Hamilton's hell, kind of with a fresh look and rebrand it up a little bit and maybe make it kind of like an exclusive thing and do a little run here and there and see if people like it again. I don't know. But yeah.
1: Love the hustle. Love it. Love it. Got to hustle these days. We got to hustle.
2: I think I could agree. Um, I'm not from there, you know, so it's where, where I don't, I don't know if you grew up in Hamilton or not, Blake, but uh, yeah, for the most part, my, uh, my ex-wife, It's from Hamilton. So I've been down there a bunch of times. I got friends that live down there. There's people from Box and Hops that are down there. So it's definitely a weird, a weird city in ways. So it is, man, I've been
0: here for a long time and it still throws me off some days. I'm just like, what is this fucking circus? But
1: yeah, I've had some, some wild nights in Hamilton. It's, 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 it's an interesting, interesting. The the main strip is very interesting. I'll say that.
0: It, It is. Um, but the the part that sold me on it is the the music community here for sure so it's definitely i definitely could find you know this place my home because of that probably so I, other, other than that i don't i don't have much else to say
2: about
1: Five years sober now, you've mentioned a bunch of things um, that would have been different had you not gotten sober, you were worried about... Um, not being able to perform the way you used to perform when you came back. uh, And that took time for you to just get back into shape vocally. Uh, Talk to us about sobriety, taking that decision, stepping away. You also mentioned you own a nightclub. So becoming sober in a nightclub is not easy. So to take us through your sober journey, please.
0: I I think it all started like maybe with uh, how a lot of other people started, it kind of became, you know, experimental and for fun. And you'd go to cat parties and then, you know, you would, you know, it would further, you grab like a 16 drink with the boys in this day, and then other stuff gets introduced and you try other things and, and, and all that. And all that's fun for a minute. And then, you know, being on the road a lot, you know, you kind of, just it's, it's, it's a, it's a party. Like it, it depends obviously on who you're out there with, but who we used to go out with, it was a party and we were usually the party. And I think there might be people who, decided to not go on the road with us because they probably knew it was going to be fucked at times. So we had, we had a reputation that probably wasn't one to be proud of, but we just, we just like to have fun and never hurt anybody of course, but we were pretty self-destructive. So we would, we would drink into the early hours and do whatever else until the early hours. So it was, it was fun, but then there was maybe a turning point where it stopped being fun. And then, you know, you could stop using, um, being on tour as an excuse to use and, and to be that version of yourself and you kind of bring it home and you would go out every night or every weekend and then every weekend would turn into every other day and then every other day would turn into every day and every day would consist of you not partying with somebody all the time you would come home with like a 40 of Jameson and a bag of coke and you would be doing it yourself at home and got pretty major for a bit and you just like it got really dark and you know things happen in the background in life and you find excuses or, or, or or not even excuses, you find reasons to cope or use those substances as a coping mechanism. So I, I, there was a long time where I tried to, I struggled with wanting to be sober and I did work in that nightclub as a bartender for a lot of those years. And that's a very big party culture in itself, of course. Right. And, um, Wednesdays were our biggest nights. They were called Motown Wednesdays. So it would be like Motown music mixed with like top 40. And it was just always fucking slammed. was packed to the, packed to the walls. And so, you know, Wednesdays would be like the relapse day for me. It would be like, Wednesday would be the beginning of the end. You would get to work. Doors weren't open yet. You would do your ritual Jagger bomb with the staff. And then I'd go up into my little bar upstairs, which I used to call the opium den because it was very dark and dim lit. And you could get away with whatever from behind there doing whatever. Um, And we just party all night. And then, you know, I would not come home some nights and my, you know, my child's mother would worry and that would cause all sorts of issues in itself and not having a child in that moment. But just very being very unreliable. Um, and things just kind of went downhill, obviously. So we would start on the Wednesday night, party on the Thursday, sometimes Friday, show up home on the Saturday, sober up Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, got to be back at work Wednesday all over again. Um, so yeah, that, that got crazy for a while and then, uh, and then I had a son and, um, I was an anniversary at the time and my substance uh, abuse would kind of take on my addiction would take on different substances at that point. So I was uh, like full transparency, drinking a lot of like, you know, Irish whiskey and like Jameson uh, beers or whatever. Loved a good IPA back in the day. Uh, And then there'd be some cocaine and then eventually like opiates and pills and things. I didn't even know what the fuck they were, but they were making me feel numb and whatever. And so those all kind of took control and it was pretty heavy for a bit. Um, in 2014, I lost my stepdad suddenly to a heart attack, which I unfortunately had to see happen. So pretty traumatic. And then into 2015, my mom passed from, uh, from cancer. She had been cancer free in remission and then it came back metastasized and took her life uh, went on, uh shortly after my 30th birthday. And so that all kind of was happening in the background while I was kind of a full-blown addict. So how does somebody who just lost both their parents cope with loss by shoveling more numbing agents in their system? So um yeah, so it got pretty heavy and pretty dark. And then uh I had uh my son in 2016. So the year after my mom had passed, so I'm like right in the throes of my addiction at this point on tour with the anniversary, we had just went out to the States and we just did like a show with uh Whitechapel in their hometown in Knoxville. And it was their Christmas show. And I remember just being so fucking like, I felt like a shell of myself. It was just like, I just, I didn't even know who the fuck I was. I knew I had a kid at home and I knew I was like on the road with this band that I didn't really know what the future held for. And then, um, And then I just remember it was time to go home. And, uh, I think I went home and I just like went to sleep for a while. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, yeah, I just, uh, I just knew I was kind of fucked. I knew I was in deep and I don't know if I ever entertain entertained the idea of going to a rehab. I think there's something in me that like knew I was fighting for sobriety, like deep down. I was like something I want, like, can I fucking do this? Or am I going to be trying until it's too late? Uh, you know, and then maybe I won't have the chance to try anymore. So, um, you know, went home from that tour kind of stopped. I kind of disconnected myself from that band at that time because I wasn't really well. And, uh, the band kind of just ended up disappearing because I just wasn't a part of it anymore. And I think I was kind of, the individual that was fueling that band to do things at that time, kind of, um, ma- managing it and, you know, fronting it and whatnot. But, um, so when that, so when that stopped, I, I kind of got to sit back and take a look at my life a little bit and just be like, okay, I got my kiddo here. I got, you know, this house and this home and I'm in this relationship, but I'm pretty fucking miserable. And, And what am I going to do about this? I just don't see there being a happy ending unless something changes. And I knew that I needed to do something. And uh, so my son was one in a few months at this point. And uh, yeah, it was January, uh, January 23rd, 2018 was the last morning I woke up out of like an alcohol and drug induced coma. And I remember going upstairs and I picked my son up and, uh, you know, he's, one and a half maybe a little bit past so not able to articulate a sentence but and I don't know if it was my own mind playing tricks with me but the look he gave me it just kind of like destroyed me a bit I felt like he was like if he could say something he would have just been like dad are you okay like are you sick is everything okay like do you need help kind of stuff it's heavy shit so um I just remember looking at him and just uh you know as a child who grew up with parents who kind of had their own substance abuse issues I just I felt like maybe that he didn't ask for this and I definitely don't want this to be the this is not the version of me that I want him to know and I think I was just fucking done I was done at that point so I, I went through withdrawals and through crazy swings of you know mood swings and and getting the shit out of my system because when you pump opiates coke and booze in your system for so long so consistently like you got to get that shit out of you so eventually it came out and you know i was it was the, the 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 journey to sobriety and to you know rebuilding myself and relearning who i was and getting to know who i was again after i'd been a user for you know at that point maybe longer than i had been a sober person so now i had to like yeah. So now I had to like relearn who I was going to be at this point. So yeah, it's, it was a, it was a wild fucking journey, man. And five years later, I look back and just, uh, you lose a lot of friends. You you don't become as popular anymore. Um, becoming this bartender who was like this, you know, local, band guy slash bartender always the face of a good time always go up to the bar upstairs where Blake is he's chilling out shots and you guys will party all night it'll be great to Blake's not drinking up there anymore he's just serving and then later on steps down from the bartending gig and then takes on a percentage to own the actual nightclub itself Um, which was a crazy step for me to still be a part of that culture but I think as a musician I'm still a part of that environment anyway so there's 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 similarities there but um but yeah it's just the journey itself it's wild it's uh again yeah you I, I definitely have friends that have stayed by my side since day one and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to count a few of them on one hand and I'm very grateful because they stood by me no matter if I was drunk or clean or you know in the wrong or in the right but um you're not Mr. Popular anymore but I think you kind of take a look at the big picture and realize what's really important in life. And for me being here to watch that kid in the other room, grow up to become a young man himself and maybe to make me a grandpa one day or something. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I want to, that's what I want out of this life. I want to be a part of that. So I think that kind of held, um, uh, that held warrant over everything else eventually.
1: So yeah. Thank you for being so open and honest about the whole journey. The the recreating and re like identifying yourself as the the who blake truly is after losing the persona the the identity of being the party animal going from touring with anniversary you meet a lot of people have there been people that you have met again now with teeth and they're like and then they don't recognize you know they're not recognizing you as that person and what what is your tactic in those instances instances
0: yeah there's been a few uh folks meet me and be like you don't take your fucking clothes off during your set anymore and play in your tidy american apparel underwear anymore and do weird shit i'm like no i don't know i'm like enjoy the show uh no i don't know um yeah i mean somewhat you know it hasn't been anything that stands out and makes me look back and be like ah fuck like i was that person no one's like you've changed man you know not not in a negative way uh if anything i feel like um the support outshines any kind of negative uh, interaction I've had with people. Um, I think people are kind of genuinely, they seem genuinely happy to see me do good. I think it was uh, being well. Yeah, I think uh, it's a—it's an epidemic in itself, addiction and, and suicide, mental health and all that stuff. And I think some of those situations go hand in hand, you know, um, unfortunately. So I think that, you know, maybe the big picture is I'm, I'm glad you're still here with us. And I'm glad, like, you're not rolling around on the fucking stage, like, half naked, like, just uh, not able to perform to, like, man, you can actually, like, bring it live now. You can, you sound great. And the energy's there. You're not winded after. And for me, personally, I'm not winded after a couple songs, like, delivering such a high-paced frequency through and through from beginning to end and then walking off and being able to, like, take a couple breaths and be like, all right, like, I could do that again if I wanted to. Is a pretty fucking that's 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 what living's is all about it felt it feels good so yeah i don't think yeah nothing 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 too negative there
1: was was there a moment going from playing inebriated and being a front man inebriated to doing a sober gig was that something that you had to get ready for or were you just always prepared to perform
0: i I'm going the influence a lot in the, in the day. So it's hard to remember exactly, but I feel like I've always gotten the butterflies right before you go up, no matter how big, how small um, the event is. It's like, you still get those butterflies before you go up. And I think those are still there. Um, I think the difference is now is like, I just don't have an excuse to be shit, man. It's like, <laughs> if you're shit now, then you, it's, you, you probably should just hang it up, dude. But no, it's uh no, I don't know. I think, uh, I think I care more now. I think I care more now. I think I appreciate the hustle and the grind up there more now than ever. I think maybe there was a moment where I took advantage of maybe my fellow bandmates who were there up there with me, who weren't as fucked up as I was, who worked hard every, you know, day to practice to become tight for this like massive, a singer to come up here and just kind of, you know, do the thing that people seem to be entertained by, but it was more of like a circus act than it was like a performance. So, um, yeah, I think I just, I, I look at it all from a different light now. And um, I, I think I just, I, I I spend more time preparing myself so that I, I can go up there and give it everything I got, obviously. So, yeah.
1: Colby, you had some questions about sobriety you wanted to ask Blake about.
2: This one, uh, everything you said there is just super inspirational, you know, and it's beautiful that you're able to come through and do what you need to do, especially do what you wanted to do for your son. Like I'm a father myself, Matt, Matt's a father as well, you know, so I, I definitely understand what you're saying and it's, it's a uh, true to your heart, you know, shows what your true, true character is. And I've seen what you did with your little guy. You bring him to all the wrestling shows. He met the weekend with you. So he like <laughs> it's going nuts, right? It's having a great time. But, yeah. Uh, Creating a monster. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love them. We love them very yes, much. We do. We do.
2: <laughs> but, um, I wonder if you have any advice for anyone that's like struggling with addiction or anything. And in terms of yourself, you're, you're a pretty big guy, you know, like you're definitely jacked in my opinion. Is that, is that a part of your recovery as well?
1: There's like the, the switching of vices is something that I've heard people switch vices to being addicted to one thing and then being addicted to something else. Basically.
0: Yeah, no, and absolutely. And I, I certainly have an addictive personality. There's no doubt about it. Um, and to touch back on on Ted uh, Colby, our friend who uh, sells the exotic snacks, Matt, um, we were we were shooting the shit at one of the shows. And it was it was probably Barry, and we were just talking about our kids because Ted's also a father, and um, I was, we we were talking about sobriety and stuff and whatnot, and and he was just like, "Your your kids your addiction now," and I was like, "Fuck!" I'm like, I didn't even think of it that way, but if I'm addicted to anything. It's definitely my kid, and it's yeah, it's definitely like a very, yeah, so um advice, I don't know man it's it's a tough one i I wish i i think every every person who's seeking advice to become sober is probably unique to their situation, so it'd be hard to give like a general um piece of advice, but for me, I think it's just. It was, you have to be ready. I I don't think you're going to change for anybody. I don't think if you have somebody breathing down your throat, interventions the whole night, I think it can get you to a point of where you're like, oh, fuck, like I do have a problem. Maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously. Maybe I should look at the big picture here. But I think ultimately you really need to be ready yourself for all of that stuff. And it's scary. It's a scary uh, idea to think of living a life completely opposite the way that you currently do if you're a drinker or a social butterfly or um, you know those friends rely on you to go have a good night with them you kind of have to like step back from a lot of that stuff but I think at the end of the day you got to look at yourself and your personal situation and if you feel like it's something that is um, jeopardizing your health or your mental health and your well-being or others around you uh, it's definitely something to take into consideration and try to make those, um, choices, those hard choices and maybe, you know, look at a different, uh, a different way of life for yourself. But yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy by any means. Um, I know, I know a lot of friends uh, who went to AA or NA and all that stuff. I, I didn't, um, I was one of those cold turkey motherfuckers. So I'm grateful for that, but I support anybody who wants to do anything to for their own well-being. So if that's the way to go, that would be the first step for somebody to walk into that journey. Then I say, do it. Just do what you got to do.
2: Was is is working out a thing that helped you towards that? You've always been into it. I, I've always tried to go to the gym.
0: I just think I didn't do it properly before. I was just there to be there, sit on my phone and like not have proper form and not just fucking up my body really. But. Um, yeah, a lot of it's mental health for sure. I think it's, it's like, um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're changing yourself inside, I mean, making those changes on the outside too helps, right? You're seeing results. You're seeing a change in yourself, not only up here, but out here. So I think, I think it's all beneficial. You look good. You feel good. Could be, uh, you know, a way of thinking. So I think, I think it's helpful for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I totally, totally agree. And, um, working on yourself and and being open and waiting for people to be ready i think it's very good advice because it, it's 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 hard for people that are on the outside looking at people suffering and the person doesn't understand it yet you, you can't force anyone to to give up anything so so you can you have to be with them and and stay with them it's a it's a, it's a very very difficult and dangerous terrain to to navigate
2: and you learn who your true friends are right yeah a lot of that um
0: my girlfriend she's uh she's just over a year sober and I I would never like you know we were together for two years before she got sober so it was nothing I think that if it was something that was a concern then I obviously don't think I'd be able to be a part of that relationship but it wasn't it, every you know it was it was Everything was fine. There was no issues. Everything was manageable. But she she ended up making her own choice and wanting to clean up her life, you know, a year ago. And um, she went through a lot of the. The depression of like not being friends with the people that, you know, she would be able to call more often or her phone stopped ringing so much. And I think it does get lonely. And I think a lot of that, I think that in itself is a hard pill for people to swallow. Uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just not easy, I guess, you know,
1: in the same vein of this topic, but a little bit more light. Um, I have a new segment called fight the hops, which is uh where I ask you a question and we're at the beginning of the year, it's 2023. We're at January right now. Uh, is there anything that for yourself right now, a small obtainable goal that you've set for yourself that you're hoping to achieve? It could be about anything. It'd be a career move. It could be a health thing. What are you doing right now to fight the hops?
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I'm such a good place mentally and with the band right now, I just, I think getting, getting, uh, getting on the road and, uh, playing some festivals and uh, a big one for me is I, I want to, I want my son to watch me side stage from just like, I don't know, maybe a festival or, or something, something. I just, I want to look over and see him there. And I want us just to be fucking killing it. And I just want to be in front of a crowd of people because he knows what dad does, but he's never, well, when he was three months old, I had his mom, it was actually at that Attila show I was talking about earlier. He was about three months old at that show. And, uh, she was side stage with him And I said, pass me him at the end of our set. And I like lion him to the crowd. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, his, his mom fucking lost it. But, uh, and I was, yeah, whatever, but, uh, but yeah, so he's, that's the only taste of me on stage. He's really ever seen. So I want to, I want to share that with him one day yeah, I think that's just yeah something something neat to look forward to this
1: year. I completely agree with that sentiment and uh, would love for my kids to come to one of my gigs. Uh, one last question, and I'm going to let uh, Colby take it. We typically wrap up with a hangover cure. That's no longer the case. It's sober February. We're going to talk about collabs, and we're going to talk about Dawson's Hot Sauce. You take this one, Colby.
2: Yeah, so uh, you... Your uh, your band there. You hosted a pop up shop at Dawson's Hot Sauce in Hamilton. It was December, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was right before we left for those shows. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I'm I'm friends with Brody. I've known him for years as well. He's a wicked cool dude. His hot sauce friggin' rules. And just like I'm curious uh, how that came about. Like where the idea of like the pop up shop and doing it at uh, Dawson's Hot Sauce or their physical store came from
0: also go way back with brody so that's wild that you go back that far with them brody actually bartends or bartended at absinthe which is the bar that i now own
1: i have played absinthe a bunch of times
0: oh, oh awesome yeah hell yeah i mean that's yeah that's we we, we definitely pride ourselves on being uh a, a good hub for uh tour packages passing through i was mm-hmm. probably there actually <laughs> um but yeah, so Brody and I go way back from those days, but, uh, so he's always been friend, uh, a good friend and, um, his, uh, his, his employees, Jeff and Dylan of the good depression, um, which is a band out of Hamilton. Uh, they're all, they're all close friends. So yeah, we've always kind of been in close touch with them. We love the hot sauce and always a huge supporter of what he's been doing and watching him do this since he started is beautiful. I'm very proud and happy for him. Um, so yeah, we, Chris and I have always kind of kept in touch with him. And we we were about to uh, head out on these shows, which was just a select few dates, but excluding our hometown of Hamilton. So we ended up hosting some merch that we were going to sell on that run. And there was a lot of people that reached out and said, hey, do you think you guys are going to put these up on the store and blah, blah, blah. They said, if they don't make it through these dates, then I don't think we're going to print them again. And then we kind of got to thinking, why don't we do like the pop up? and we were spitting some ideas around and we i suggested that maybe we did it at beasley where we do the those gorilla fucking dolls night shows maybe we'll just like kind of low-key say we're going to be here from this hour to this hour come buy some shit out of the back and uh we'll call it a day and then we kind of uh threw some more ideas of locations around like maybe brody and dawson's because they have a storefront now downtown maybe they'd be interested interested in uh collabing on something so yeah we reached out and it was like no big deal was like fucking yeah he's like absolutely we'd love to he says and he's he said we've kind of wanted to do something like this so this would be perfect so they uh they opened our door their doors to us and we came down with all our shit we talked uh to this pizza shop in hamilton called shorty's which is amazing uh pizza by the way and they they came and brought us uh like 10 massive pizzas to for people to sample the hot sauce with so yeah it just ended up kind of being a night of like community and supporting one another and everybody's hustle and grind and it was just like yeah it was a beautiful night so we ended up selling some shit they sold some shit everybody kind of got some some names that maybe the people who attended didn't hear of before out there so yeah it was, it was a lot of fun and I think uh, well I know for this album that comes out we're going to be collaborating on an actual personalized hot sauce with Dawson. So yeah, we're looking
2: we're looking forward to that for sure. Can you uh do you have any like ideas on the recipe or is it all in the reps? I'm curious. I don't
0: know. Like I, I like hot stuff. Um, but like I don't want to die when I eat it. So but but Brody's stuff is as hot as it is, it's It's got, like, flavor. It's, like, it's tasty stuff. That garlic and jalapeno sauce, I've gone through maybe, like, 10 bottles since he's come out with it, which is kind of wild for hot sauce to rotate that much through a fridge, unless you're, like, a maniac. Um, So, as far as, uh, are you a maniac? Because you you like the hot sauce? Do you like hot shit?
2: I I am. Not as much as I used to be, because I went... I overdid it and ended up in the hospital before. So, no shit from hot sauce, hot sauce, energy drinks, just not taking breaks, too much acid. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinda, you got to, uh, moderation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, but recipe, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like habaneros and, um, I find them very tasty and uh, I can tolerate them. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's going to be something that, Chris and my, uh, our palates will have to agree on um, but yeah, I don't know, probably won't be anything too extreme, but it's something you can put on your, you know, everyday kind of meals. I eat a lot of like routine bullshit because of like, you know trying to stay in decent shape and not ballooning up like I was before so I eat a lot of like protein rice and veg and I'll always like slap some hot sauce on that, so yeah, something I can probably enjoy with that would be nice for the album, I don't know, I can't the album So Belligerent, like the name of the album So Belligerent, I don't know if I can say I it, but we, uh, but by the sounds of the album, if we're going to pair it with a hot sauce, we feel like maybe we should just do something that just fucking annihilates you <laughs> and you have like a drop of it or something and just ruin people's <laughs> lives. I don't know.
1: I love it. Um, this is amazing. Thank you so, so much, Blake for taking the time to hang out with me and Colby, uh, talking about your life, music, talking about sobriety. Uh, Everyone get ready for this brand new Teeth album that will be announced and coming out, and every more details will come out probably shortly after this episode is aired. Uh, I'm stoked for it. You guys should be as well. Uh, Colby, Blake, massive cheers to both of you for hanging out with me. Colby, you have any uh, finishing words to say?
2: I wish everyone the best of luck this year, 2023 you blake and uh, your band and everything you want to do same with you matt and uh whatever's happening with your band we'll see maybe maybe we'll have two albums this year that would be friggin awesome but uh other than that hopefully i see both of y'all in person sooner than later
1: yeah looking forward to it blake thank you so so much This is great massachusetts
2: thank you guys so much for having me man this is uh it's been a treat cheers
0: cheers colby great job on the co-hosting
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that, man. This was an awesome conversation. I was so stoked that Colby introduced me to Blake. You were just awesome. So open, so honest, so just humanistic is the word that comes to me. Thank you for being vulnerable, for showcasing vulnerability in such an extreme metal genre. I love it. I love it. I can't love it enough. We are all vulnerable people, even the most tough and, and most ferocious people. We are also vulnerable, and it's okay not to be okay, and it's okay to tackle those issues head on and to ask for help and to seek out help and to make yourself better and to find great things in your life that you should be addicted to instead of the bad things so so massive massive cheers To Blake for being so amazing and so open and so honest. I can't thank you enough. And a massive cheers to Colby for doing a killer job as a co-host. I enjoyed this. I hope that you did too, bud. And, uh, you know, we should do it again. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Middle Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that will contain all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will also get to hear about any projects I have in the works. And I am building three massive projects all at once right now. And I'm hinting at them in the newsletter. So if you want to hear about that, sign up to the newsletter. You will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' Metal Architect, has added to the brutal awakening. Awakenings Playlist, which is always packed with just the most killer recent metal stuff. If you're looking for new music to listen to, well, the Brutal Awakenings Playlist is what you want to be listening to. There is always a lot of killer stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops on podcast is brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a killer rest of the week i will be back next week with the final episode of vox and hops sober february 2023 which is sponsored by pitch black north get yourself some satanic tea people because it's sinfully delicious but until then, I hope you all remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't
2: just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, oh, is a rock and roll city God for God sure. Yeah! Like yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland.
1: The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now, wherever you get podcasts.